0: Welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster along with Mark
1: Shanowski. And of course, we want to say hello to our great sponsor, the people at DraftKings, a national sponsor for the Basketball Podcast Network. Hoop season won't be around forever, as we all know, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. DraftKings give new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code TBPN during sign-up. That's all capital letters, TBPN. Play daily fantasy basketball. It's just simple. Pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. And baseball fans, if you missed out on season-long fantasy leagues, now is the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Just download the DraftKings app now and use the code TBPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code TBPN, all capital letters, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. A minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for further details. Mark,
0: let me ask you this question right off the bat. Do you think DraftKings will allow us to bet against the Bulls every game the rest of the season?
1: Well, I think we have some insider knowledge, but you don't really have to be an insider to see that this team can't play very well late in games, can't play any defense, and I thought Billy Donovan was hilarious after they lost at home to Orlando. Saying we couldn't beat a college or even a high school team that that we're saying that these teams coming in are worse than us. Well, they're saying the same thing about us. Hey, we got the Bulls on the schedule. It's an easy game.
0: Yeah, actually, we're going to hear from Billy say just that in just a couple of seconds. You know, um, when I started thinking about this uh, this podcast, and by the way, we're recording this on Thursday night. I was just going to say how much of an embarrassment the Bulls have been losing to some of the teams that are, I'll just say it, the dregs of the NBA. But in reality, the way the Bulls are playing, they are one of the dregs of the NBA. And you would almost need a psychologist or a psychiatrist to figure out this Bulls team because they're too talented to lose to Minnesota and Orlando and Memphis, specifically Orlando. I mean, Orlando played like they really wanted to win the game for Wendell Carter and everybody else on that roster. The Bulls look like an intramural team playing the game. So we we're going to talk about that to begin with, but there's even bigger news that's even going to bring the Bulls to a further depth, you know, of of the ocean, if you will, Um, because Zach Levine is going to be out likely, likely 10 days to two weeks as he's going through the health and safety protocol. And obviously we're talking about a a strong COVID possibility. And if he has it, which is what we'll probably find out over the next day or two, then it's a real strong possibility other members of the team or organization has it. So really the Bulls are, are, are just, you know, going to be like a rock and water going
1: down. Well, with this four-game losing streak, you can forget about the playoffs. I mean, the last time we talked on our last uh, episode, the Bulls were in the process of winning a third straight game against the Toronto Raptors and looking like maybe they'd move up in the Eastern Conference standings, maybe as high as six or seven, and and somehow avoid the whole play-in tournament completely. Well, since that time, they've lost four in a row, including to some of the worst teams in the league. And with Zach Levine being out, over the next 14 days, they are scheduled to play eight games. Now, you look at that schedule, they could lose all of those games. I mean, realistically, they could. They played Cleveland a couple of times, but was to say they're any better than Cleveland? You know, so um, it's going to be interesting to see what they can accomplish. Obviously, Kobe White's going to be thrown back into the starting lineup as a shooting guard. Who knows? Maybe he'll have a couple of great games and people will start to think Kobe White's the answer again. Although, I think we've seen enough that that's probably not the case. But with Zach going out, you know, they're a game ahead of both Washington and Toronto as action begins in in the NBA on Thursday night. Two games in front of Cleveland, and they play Cleveland twice in the next week. By the time we do our next podcast, they could be in 13th place in the East. And remember that first round draft pick they traded to Orlando in the Nikola Vucevic deal is top four protected. So if they could somehow get a top four pick, they would keep that. And isn't it weird that after all the optimism surrounding the trades they made at the deadline, we're once again talking about maybe we'll get lucky in the lottery.
0: Well, and they'll probably get the number seven pick and they won't even get to keep it anyway in the lottery. But, you know, it's really amazing, Mark. I mean, you know, you're right. A week ago when we were doing this, you know, I I, I was getting optimistic. Now, obviously, they have not played record-wise well ever since all the trades. But initially, when they went out to the West Coast and they played well for the most part against Utah and Phoenix, I knew they weren't going to win those games. Those teams are just better. And the Bulls had no practice time with all those players. So, you know, but but I thought once they came back from that, they had the one game at home against Brooklyn. Brooklyn looked like a broken team that day. The Bulls won that game. But then they've continued losing. And, And I don't know if I really want to put any, you know, help me if I'm wrong about this, Mark. You know, does Billy Donovan deserve and we've given him so much credit, but does he deserve a little bit of blame now also, even though we said that he changed the offense and everything else about the team. But Patrick Williams is doing absolutely nothing. And you got to say why. Uh, Lowry Markinen and Kobe White, initially they took to coming off the bench, but in the last few games they've done nothing. So, I mean, where does Billy Donovan in this equation does he deserve some blame for any of this? Because they shouldn't be losing some of these games even before Zach Levine goes out of the
1: lineup. Yeah, and we have praised Billy Donovan pretty consistently throughout our shows. And I, I thought that he was going to be really the perfect coach for this young Bulls team. But obviously there's some chinks in the armor. They Their defense has been bad all year, and it's been even worse since the trades because you know, we watched Nick Vucevic a lot in Orlando, and I always thought he was a good offensive player. But I knew he wasn't a shot blocker, and getting to see him day in and day out, he does not have any lateral quickness. He can't move his feet when guards are coming at him. They just blow right by him. So he's playing that deep drop coverage where he goes, you know, falls 10, 15 feet off the screen, and that just gives the penetrating guard an easy shot at a floater or or going all the way to the rim for a basket. So their pick-and-roll coverage, which was bad all year, is even worse now. And Billy Donovan doesn't seem to really have any answers. I think also the way they've handled the Markin and kobe thing. You know, Donovan said that he's talked to him and they accepted their roles. But Markinen was scoreless the other night for the first time in his career. And in the game against the Magic, he didn't even go to Kobe White in the second half. He played 12 minutes, two points, three turnovers, and he looked completely lost. He looked like, you know, one of those kids you see in a, in a grade school tournament that the coach was yelling at him too much so he doesn't want to play anymore. I mean, he was his body language in the last few games, Kobe White I'm talking about, has just been awful. He seems to have completely lost his confidence.
0: And, and Patrick Williams, the same thing. I mean, you know, we've talked about this almost from the word go that you know he's been you know a player who defers, 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 even though he's got the talent. We've seen it. But at this stage, unless he's tired, and that's a possibility, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me. He 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 just doesn't show either the emotion or the energy befitting the high draft pick that he is and the talent that he possesses. I can't figure that out, Mark, and I'm wondering, again, does Billy Donovan and the coaching staff deserve some blame? And it's almost like they got to take a cattle prod and stick it in him to get him going at this point.
1: Well, we're seeing a lot of the same things with Patrick Williams that we saw with Wendell Carter Jr. when he was a bull. Catching the ball with no inclination to go hard at the basket, even when he's open, he doesn't want to shoot it. His first thought Patrick Williams I'm talking about now, is just to move it along the next pass in the sequence. And until he's willing to, you know, break off some of those actions and realize that at 6'8", 225, I've got a physical advantage over a lot of the guys that are trying to guard me and just go strong to the basket. Try to score at the rim or get to the free throw line. Maybe that will unlock some of his perimeter game as well. Now, obviously, the Bulls have gone to a pretty structured offense since the trade for Vucevic. A lot of high screen and roll with Vucevic and Zach Levine. And I think a lot of the guys are just told, go spot up and wait off the double team and we'll hit you with a pass for a catch-and-shoot three. And, you know, Patrick's inclination after not starting a game at Florida State in his one year at college is to be a supporting, complimentary player. But he was the fourth pick in the draft. He's supposed to be a big part of this team's future. It's not going to happen this year, obviously, but hopefully after a training camp and an exhibition season going into next year, he'll come out more aggressively and look to take advantage of favorable matchups on the court.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Honestly, I, you know, we've seen the kid possesses the talent, but we've also seen that he just doesn't you know, use it to the best of his abilities and he defers constantly. And like I said, it, it's almost like you got to give him some like electric shock or something to get him going more. So, you know, I was really specifically watching when he was going against Anthony Edwards in the Minnesota game and Edwards was a slow starter this season. And I was wondering did this guy really deserved to be the number one pick. Well, in that game, and I haven't seen all that many games, he showed that he's got talent, but he also showed that he wants to use that talent, you know, and he's aggressive. And, and, you know, that's a player that Patrick Williams should start patterning himself after because I think he he might not have the exact same talents that Anthony Edwards does, but he also doesn't possess the same get up and go that Edwards has also.
1: Well, I think that uh, some members of the media have done Williams a disservice by making these lofty comparisons to Kawhi Leonard and some of the other mm-hmm. great small forwards in the NBA, you know, maybe he'll develop into a really good NBA player, but to suggest he's going to be the next Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, it's unfair to the kid. You know, let's see what he can develop into. I think the fact that he's the second youngest player in the league right now, you have to really give him some time. But then again, you know, we said the same thing about Kobe White, who came into the NBA at 19 and and really hasn't developed in his second season. It's just, you need you need three or four years to decide whether these guys are going to be legitimate NBA players. And with Patrick Williams, I think there's just so much more of the story yet to be written. And the first play against Orlando last night, they ran a play for Williams. He didn't score on it. And then he made a couple of baskets, but for the most part, he kind of drifted for most of the night. Um, he's not a key part of the offense right now. And it's incumbent on, on Billy Donovan, Mo Cheeks, and the rest of the staff to keep trying to build this kid's individual skills, keep boosting his confidence, and now with Zach out, run some plays for the kid. You know, give him a chance to end the season feeling good about himself and go into the summer and working hard on his individual game so that when next season starts, he'll be a more well-rounded offensive player.
0: Yeah, I I know I'm being probably too hard on on the second youngest player in the NBA and that is Patrick Williams who I don't even know if he's turned 20 just yet, but I know the kid possesses talent and we've seen it. And like I said, it, it just really disturbs me. And I've played, and you've played basketball also, when you're playing with somebody who you know has, has got so much more to offer, and they just, I don't know, they're, they're sort of in a shell out on the courts. You can't be in a shell in, on in a basketball court. You always have to be aggressive. And that's something that maybe his his personality and character has not come out just yet, and that's up to the coaching staff. You know, I'm going on and on about this, I know. I think it's incumbent on this coaching staff to try and and get it out of him.
1: Well, not just with Patrick Williams. We've seen that with just about every player the Bulls have drafted yeah. in recent years. And that's yeah. why front office, even the previous front office, made an effort to go out and get some veterans. Remember, it was Pax and Gar that brought in Thad Young and, and Tomas Aransky to try to get more veteran experience. And now that Billy Donovan has uh, Daniel Tice to go along with Vucevic. Tice is now the first big man off the bench ahead of Lowry marketing And you can kind of see when Lowry comes in, you know, as the backup small forward, he looks kind of bewildered. He's like, well, who am I guarding? What am I supposed to do out here? Um, you know, the only the only person who's probably uh, sadder than Lowry marketing right now is his agent because he's seeing those millions of dollars fly out the window in restricted free agency.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I didn't see every minute of last night's game because I was obviously watching the White Sox and and uh, and Carlos Rodon throw his no-hitter almost a perfect game. But I've watched enough of last night's game, and specifically in the third quarter when they were totally blitzed by Orlando. Um, I noticed that the even the offense, which has been okay, you know, we'll talk about the defense in a minute, but – the offense in the third quarter last night, it was one on one, it was one on five basketball and turnover after turnover after turnover. And last night, even though they came back, you know, in the fourth quarter, but not enough. I don't know, last night might have been a turning point that this team is breaking down Mark and and I don't know if, if it's retrievable. And now is Zach Levine being out a couple of weeks and who knows how many more players, you know, they might sink like a rock and water.
1: Well, one thing I noticed over the last week, which Stacey King mentioned on the broadcast during the Orlando game, is that Thad Young looks tired too. You know, he had been playing some of the best basketball of his career, but this is his 14th NBA season. I believe he's 33 now. And, you know, in three of the last four games, his minutes have been way down, his production has been down, and he's looked noticeably tired on the court. He did have the the, the good game on Monday, when he scored 20 points, but it's like he's been having to carry the load on both ends because of the roster construction, and I think Thad Young's kind of worn out, and he's really kind of set the tone for that team. The other thing from the Orlando game, as you mentioned, the first and third quarters were complete disasters. They got outscored 32 to 22 in the first quarter. Their defense was breaking down. Rotations were bad. Nobody knew who they were guarding. It was just ugly. Then the second quarter, they played well. They cut the lead to one, and at the time, I mentioned on Twitter – they're only down by one. You'd think they could take control of this game, but it's the Bulls, so who knows? And then promptly Orlando hits him with a 39-19 to 19 haymaker in that third quarter. Zach Levine did not attempt a single shot from the field in the third quarter. What's going on with that? You talk about coaching. I mean, run a play for the guy. He's your best scorer. You're struggling to get some points on the board. And then they come up with this heroic fourth quarter where Zach scores 21, but they were too far behind to win the game.
0: Yeah, I I said after last night's game, you know, that was the worst of the worst or the worst of the bad losses this season, you know, for a litany of reasons. I just saw breakdowns all over the place. Let's hear from Billy Donovan. You mentioned him talking after last night's game and being funny. Let's just hear him, you know, in his
2: own words. Here we go. (laughs) We are not in a position right now to be looking at anybody and thinking that we're better than anybody. Like that to me is the biggest mistake. You know, it doesn't make a difference who we line up against. I don't care if it could be a college team or a high school team. If we're not going to, you know, really be desperate and have that sense of urgency, I think this idea that when we sit there and say, well, this team's record is this, this is one of the worst teams. if, if where, where are we at? You know what I mean? Like, that's where we're trying to build ourselves out of. And I think there's sometimes this perception that like, oh, wow, like this is a team that's, you know, Buying for a championship no we, we're not we, we've got to build those habits and we have not built them on a consistent enough level but i don't look at it at all like minnesota's record orlando's record this, we don't have that luxury because you know what is orlando saying the same thing about us is minnesota saying the same thing about us is memphis saying the same thing about us you know,
0: and, and he, he he doesn't sugarcoat it, Mark. You know, he always gets right to the point. And he was 100% correct. I mean, the Bulls, who are the Bulls to sort of like throw the ball out in the court and expect to win? And, you know, they're not good enough to do that.
1: Well, I think part of it is something I mentioned earlier. You know, this is the third largest market in the country with heavy media coverage. And the Bulls have that glorious history. So they make the trade for Vucevic, And all of a sudden. A lot of the fan base and a lot of the members of the media were saying, "Well, all of a sudden, this is a team that's on the rise in the Eastern Conference." It was a bold, it was a bold move by Arnishivis and Mark Eversley to bring in a two-time All-Star in Vucevic, but at the same time, they they paid a heavy price to make that deal. You know, two first-round draft picks and Wendell Carter Jr., who was the seventh overall pick in 2018. That's a pretty hefty price to pay. And Vucevic has two more years after this one left on his contract. We know that AK is going to be aggressive this year in trying to bring in a point guard and maybe another rim protector who can pair with uh, Vucevic inside. But this is still a very much work in progress in terms of the roster construction. And for people who thought they were going to shoot up to the standings and, and finish fourth or fifth in the East, well, obviously that wasn't going to happen. All right,
0: let's hear one more from Billy. Uh, actually, this uh, soundbite was from a couple of days ago where he was talking about the defense. You know, at, at times, Stacy on some of the broadcasts has said that the defense and, and uh, Adam Amin saying the same thing, that the defense has been okay. I, I, I got to disagree with them. I don't think the defense has been good hardly at all. Anyway, here's Billy Donovan talking about that.
2: We got a lot of work ahead of us, I'll tell you that. I mean, I don't know where we would stand, but we need to be a whole lot better than we are. Um, I thought there was some times where we've made um, you know, we, there's times where we've we've, we've made some progress and strides, but I think the one challenge for us that we need to keep trying to get better at and improve upon is when there's multiple handlers. Uh, we've got to be, you know, on all the way around defensively. It's not just the bigs, it's not just the guards, it's the combination them working together. You know, we've got to be a team that's going to have to. Uh, you know be physical in terms of when the ball enters the paint and you know sometimes those guards that are really crafty and shifty and can play and pick and roll and can snake and cut back and do those kind of things we you know we we've we've got to be better handling them that those 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 kind of situations have been been the biggest challenge for us I would
0: imagine most coaches are, are probably more upset when the defense breaks down than when the offense breaks
1: down well, defense has been an issue all year long, as has turnovers. I think those are the two things that have really sunk the Bulls for most of the season. Defense, they, they just have so many problems in terms of on-court communication. You know, Tom Thibodeau used to talk about five players on the string, and that's when the defense is the best, when, when, when players are there to cover for their teammates when they get beat and the next guy slides over and you don't have these breakdowns. The first play of the game last night, The Bulls were scrambling in rotations, got completely lost. They left Wendell Carter open underneath the basket and got a dunk. That's how the game starts. And it was downhill from there. Their pick-and-roll coverage really has been abysmal most of the season. The guards can't stay in front of their player. They don't fight through screens, which puts the big man in a bad situation because he's basically got two players, and he's got to make the bad choice of which one am I going to guard. It's just been been a problem all year long. And Billy's tried to change up the pick-and-roll coverage at times. He told flat out uh, the members of the media that he's not going to go to that blitz coverage that Jim Boylan used because he doesn't have the personnel to do it. But they have tried to get a little bit more of a show by the big men to try to discourage the guards from driving into the paint. It's just they—I don't know if it's personnel or you know just not enough want to. But the guards are not great defenders. You know, Zach's made some improvements, but he has a tendency to let guys go by, and, and Satoransky's physically limited. And Kobe White is, looks always confused out there. So those are your top three guards, and they continually get beat off the ball, and that makes the pick-and-roll coverage even harder to maintain.
0: All right, speaking of Zach, uh, let's hear from him. Again, uh, the, the big news is that he's going into health and safety protocol. That means the coronavirus, uh, and he's going to be out a couple of weeks. But, you know, we'll have more information as time goes on. But let's hear from Zach. And here in this soundbite, he talks about the record ever since the trade's Obviously, the record has been disappointing.
1: Working still, you know, feels really good at times, and sometimes, you know, we're, we're just not good enough. So, um, you know, we got we to gotta continue to get better, but we're, uh, we're talented enough to, you know, win these games, and we're just not going out there getting the results. You know, nothing's really easy, you got to figure it out. No one's going to care or feel bad for you. We know we're a better team now, and we you got to start figuring it out. We should, we should be, it doesn't matter the teams that we play, we should go in there and expect to win each time. Play
0: the right way. And what is that record, Mark? Is it three and eight, three and nine? Three a,
1: the same as Orlando.
0: And I didn't think Orlando would win a game after those trades. I thought, oh my God, this is such a ragtag thrown together, you know, lose almost intentionally roster going forward. And yet they have the same record as the Bulls, and they beat the Bulls. And we got to give some credit to Wendell Carter. I mean, he wasn't very boisterous after or before the game, you know, saying, ha, ha ha but you knew that he wanted to win last night's game.
1: Yeah, he was pretty solid. I think he had like 19 and 12, and and he hit some key baskets when the Bulls were trying to rally in the fourth quarter. Uh, You know, Wendell Carter really is kind of the same player he was in Chicago. He kind of has more of a green light to do things at the offensive end. He did make a 17-foot jumper where he squared up and and shot it with a lot of confidence. But he's never going to be an elite scorer in this league. He's averaging 14 and 8 since he went uh, to Orlando in those 11 games. I think that's about what you're going to get from Wendell for most of his career. I don't think he's going to blossom into this elite score uh, from the low post. So, but when you look at the Orlando roster, as you mentioned, at the deadline, they traded their top three scorers, Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier. And then they lost their other two starters, Mar- Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac, for the season very early because of injuries. This is a glorified G League team. And they came into Chicago in a game the Bulls had to win and made them look foolish. So, you know, they. The coaching staff has to take a hard look in the mirror. The front office, I'm sure, knows they've got a lot of work to do this summer, and we're going to see a lot more changes to this roster before next season begins.
0: I don't think there's any question about that. All right, two more sound bites real quickly. Here's Zach again talking about Lowry Markkinen's role ever since he went to the bench.
1: You know, take advantage of the you know the time he's given in, in the matchups. You know, there, there, there's different lineups out there. When he's in the second unit, he plays, you know, through the quarter and, um you know he's been being, being a lot more physical and, and assertive when he gets the ball you know low in the post or if he gets up top he's being decisive decisive with his moves and you know it's a quick shot he's driving to the hole or he's moving it so um, uh, you know i think he's in a nice little rhythm and the way he played today was good
0: um i don't want to put words in zach's mouth but i'll do it here uh lowry has not been good <laughs> he had one good game off or one, maybe two good games coming off the bench but when he didn't score in that other game uh, a few games ago I think he's gone, Mark. I'll be honest with you. I don't think he's going to be on this roster any which way
1: next season. Yeah. For him to go scoreless Monday night for the first time in his career and just look totally lifeless out there. And he didn't do much better in the game against Orlando. You know, they're asking him to do things that really aren't in his skill set, asking him to play small forward and try to chase quicker perimeter players around. But you know, throughout his career he's never been one that's taken advantage of mismatches in the post. They they tried to run screen and roll with him a lot, whether it was a one four or a two four pick and roll with Zach and then just slide into the post, but it's just not in his DNA to try to post up smaller players and try to punish him and score easily at the rim. He's more comfortable floating out to that three point line and, and taking catch and two threes. And if he if he doesn't develop a more well rounded offensive game, it's gonna cost him millions of dollars. We've talked about this a lot in terms of his desirability to other teams. And because a lot of teams were hoarding cap space, anticipating this was going to be a good free agent class, which now it's not, he may get an offer sheet that's much richer than what he deserves based on what he's shown in his first four years in the NBA. And if that's the case, the Bulls will just say, go ahead. You can go ahead and walk. But I'm sure AK has a number of plans laid out. I think number one is to try to somehow acquire Lonzo Ball, whether it's sign-and-trade. Or an offer sheet, you know, a restricted offer sheet with uh, the Pelicans. They've got to get a point guard in here, and and Lowry just may get caught in the wash. They may just decide if they need cap space, they'll just renounce his rights, and, and he's gone.
0: Yeah, that's my guess at this point. All right, let's hear from Mark and. Um, and this is from a couple of days ago. Also, he, you know, talking about him and Kobe White going to the bench, and basically him saying. Both of those players are being good soldiers.
1: That's all we can do. We all have to make sacrifices, not just me and Kobe. I think everybody's sacrificed with the new guys coming in and the way we're playing. I think everybody has to play. Everybody plays a part in it. And I think we've been
0: doing a decent job. So everybody's sacrificed, and all we can control is we're doing. So that's. That's my, my mindset going And if nothing else, he is right. I mean, neither one, you know, and it's not in their DNA to sort of bitch about it or mouth off. So I guess from, you know, um, uh, an uh, oral standpoint, they have been good soldiers. But as far as on the court, neither one of them has played well.
1: Well, it's pretty clear right now that Billy Donovan's top three bigs are Vujovic, Thad Young, and Daniel Tice. You know, Tice has come in ahead of Lowry in the last few games. And that's probably the way the rotation is going to stay. Tice is what he is. You know, he's a banger. He kind of falls in line with the player Bulls fans love going back to guys like Andres Nocioni. And, of course, Joakim Noah, Taj Gibson, you know, the hard hat, lunch pail kind of guys. Tice is one of them. Um, you know, Stacey kind of falling in love with him on the broadcast. And he's a, he's a nice rotation player, but he's not going to be here next year either because the Bulls no. are going to need to spend that money on replaces I'm sure he'll jump on a contending team and do the things he does for a team that has a chance maybe to win a championship down the road. But, you know, now with Zach being out for a couple of weeks, they may have to take a hard look at let's force feed minutes to Markkanen, Kobe White, and Patrick Williams and see what we got over these last 18 games of the season.
0: All right, so let, let's sum it up. Was Zach Levine probably going to miss, you know, minimum a week, probably two weeks? And who knows? It could be longer than that. I mean, we'll find out more over the coming days. And and maybe some other players, potentially, they might have the virus. We don't know. Um, and they might list, um, again, right now the Bulls are a play-in team, um, a game up on both Toronto and Washington. Washington, you know, at times plays pretty well, especially in – I mean, can Russell Westbrook by chance get into the MVP conversation? I mean, without Russell Westbrook, Washington is really a garbage team, even though Bradley Beal can still score. But, you know, and Toronto doesn't seem to want to win too often either. But I got a feeling the Bulls are just going to keep losing. So I think you're right, Mark. It's probably best just to lose, 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 and pray that you can get, you know, one of those top four picks.
1: I think there's a very good chance they fall to 12th in the East, which means that's three teams worse than you in the East. In the West, maybe one or two. So, yeah, you could have, like, the sixth worst record in the league going into the lottery night. That means you only have to jump two places to keep the pick. So, there's a chance that that could happen. But you mentioned Westbrook. You know, most of our listeners probably don't watch as much NBA as you and I do. But he's been an interesting story over the last six weeks to two months. He's really turned up his game. He seemed to fit in a lot uh, more comfortably with what they're doing in Washington. And he's put up, you know, the the nightly regiment of triple doubles like we saw during his days in Oklahoma City. And he's really led that team to the point where, you know, they're only a game behind the Bulls. Toronto's a game behind the Bulls. And Toronto's going to get both Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry back soon. So I would anticipate both Toronto and Washington will leapfrog the Bulls. And if Cleveland beats the Bulls in these next two games where they don't have Zach Levine, they could leapfrog them as well and push the Bulls the 13th place in the east so this is a free fall and you know as weird as this season has been kobe white might come out and score 30 a game and they and they win a bunch of games so you know it's hard to predict what's going to happen but looking at the trends right now it would definitely show the bulls sinking out of the play-in situation and towards the bottom of the east
0: All right let's go around the nba before we do our final walk down memory lane segment and uh, we talked about the play in potential game and first it was luka Doncic, and then his boss uh, the owner of the team mark cuban ripped it even though cuban was one of the guys who was behind the idea of having the play-in game along with the other um board of governors uh owners in the nba but now they're taking an adverse look at it what are what are your viewpoints on this play-in game I think I talked about this earlier and I, I think you said that you, you didn't want to see it beyond this season. I sort of liked it. It adds a little bit of intrigue, but obviously the players, you know, in this league don't, they don't like it, I guess.
1: No, I liked it for last season with the bubble okay. situation and, and everything, because, you know, missing a bunch of games and, and teams being kind of thrown back together, you wanted to give more teams a chance to to have a, an extra opportunity to make the playoffs if they got off to a slow start in the bubble. For now, though, I don't think they need it. I've never been a fan of the wild card in baseball. I think if you're going to do it in baseball, it should at least be two out of three because you play 162 games and then you're gone. One one team in each league is gone after one more game. I just don't think that's fair. And with Mark Cuban, you know, he he whines a lot about things that don't favor his team. So you always take what he says with a grain of salt. But he does have a point. I mean, if Dallas finishing seventh has a record that's eight, 10 games better than the 10th place team. And then let's say the 10th place team is golden state and Steph Curry catches fire for two games and knocks Dallas out of the playoffs. That would suck for Dallas, you know? So there are some inequities to it. Uh, I understand where Cuban's coming from, but all these owners are just looking at it from their own perspective. If Cuban was trying to crawl into the playoffs as a 10th or 11th place team, he'd love the play in format.
0: Of course he would. You know, uh, uh, another viewpoint around the league And obviously this season, once again, is an anomaly because of, you know, the whole COVID situation. But, you know, a lot of people around the league are saying because of the condensed schedule, there's been so many injuries around the league. And, you know, Mark, if you look at the box scores like you and I do on a daily basis, And, you know, it's more than just guys resting. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. But this guy's got, you know, a knee problem. This guy's got a hip problem. Yada, yada, yada. You're rarely, if ever, seeing a full contingent of an NBA squad anymore. You know, I I think they have a good point when they're saying that this condensed season schedule and they're going to have to go back to the drawing board going forward has had a lot to do with a lot of players missing a lot of time.
1: Yeah, because these games are just piled up one after the other. And when you see some of the biggest stars in the league, you know, we haven't talked about the Jamal Murray injury, but that happened at the end of a game against Golden State, and it was so reminiscent of Derrick Rose because they were down like 20 points. They were frantically trying to rally, but they weren't going to get there. There wasn't enough time, and yet Mike Malone left all his starters in there. They're pressing full court. Uh, You know, it was just a routine play where he tried to drive through the basket and his left knee gave out, but he probably shouldn't have even been in the game at that point. But you look around and you see, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are out in Los Angeles. And I heard a report today. It could be two more weeks for Davis and three more weeks for LeBron. So the Lakers, you know, have really struggled to get by with with their two stars. Joel Embiid has missed time. James Harden now dealing with a hamstring injury. So many guys have been hurt around the league. And it's, you know, it's adversely affected the product. And that's the last thing uh, the marketing people at the NBA want to see.
0: All right, you mentioned uh, Steph Curry earlier. Steph Curry's just that on one, you know. He he's just. He's a Hall of Fame player, obviously, who still has got a lot of good years still in front of him. And and he's I don't even know what he's been averaging over his last dozen games, but he's been out of his mind scoring from all over like he's capable of doing. And Steve Kerr, who played with the greatest of all time, meaning Michael Jordan as his teammate, is just gushing. And Steve Kerr doesn't gush unless there's a reason to gush. What can you say about Steph Curry right now? He's just out of this world.
1: Yeah, I think in his last seven games, he's averaging close to 40 points a game. He had the 53-point uh, game against Denver in the game that Murray got injured, and he passed Wilt Chamberlain as the all-time leading scorer in Warriors franchise history. Of course, Wilt would have been much further ahead, but he played with the 76ers and the Lakers down the road. But Steph Curry is unbelievable. I mean, when you consider the fact that he missed almost all of last season and people wondered if he would come back, uh, you know, with the same caliber of player – and he doesn't really have much around him in terms of a supporting cast. Everyone knows what Steph Curry's going to try to do on a nightly basis. And he's still carrying this team, putting up amazing point totals. The guy's the greatest shooter in the history of the game. And to think that when he came out of Davidson, some people were wondering if he'd even make it in the league because he was so so skinny and so small. Uh, his success story is just remarkable. And I'm sure it gives hope to a lot of uh, young athletes who are maybe a little bit on, on the skinny side and, and just want to try to develop their skills. If you can handle the ball, and you can shoot it. You can go a long way in this game.
0: Such a unique, wonderful player to watch. Um, Lamarcus Aldridge—he announced his retirement today. It came up very quickly. Listen, he wasn't playing very well once he he you know he signed on with Brooklyn. However, that's not the reason why he's retiring. He's got some kind of heart problem. I don't, I'm not even going to play a doctor here on this podcast. But uh, obviously, he was told, you know what? It's better to hang it up right now. It's not worth even trying to play anymore this season or into the postseason. But he'll be remembered, and he'll go down as a Hall of Fame player also.
1: Yeah, he had a great career. Obviously, I I told the story a couple of weeks ago about how the Bulls (laughs) on draft night were so intrigued by the potential of Victor Kriapa that they made that draft night trade. I still shake my head at that one. But, yeah, Aldridge was – you know, he wasn't the most physical or athletic guy – but, boy, he could make that mid-range jumper. He knew how to get to his sweet spots, and he was tough to stop. He was a, he was a pro's pro. I think he could have helped the Nets in the playoffs in terms of, you know, being one of, one of those pick-and-pop guys that maybe stretched the court a little bit, opened up some driving lanes. But to his credit, you know, he felt something wrong with his heart when he played uh, in a recent game. And rather than, you know, taking a chance on anything else happening, he's made money more money to take care of generations of his family he stepped away and he said, I want, I want to spend more time with my family. So I salute him for that decision.
0: All I know is every time LaMarcus Aldridge played against the Bulls at the United Center, he, he would just, I mean, he would hit 11 of 12, 12 of 15. And you're right, from the elbow, you know, n- he never really went beyond the arc. He was always inside the yeah. arc. but he was a legit 6'10", maybe 6'11", I'm not really sure. And he would just shoot over anybody. And he was physical enough that he could go you know, inside, obviously, also. I mean, he was a really, really talented player. And Tyrus Thomas instead of LaMarcus Aldridge, I'm sick to my stomach just thinking about that in retrospect.
1: You know, here comes our uh, weekly Joe Colley reference. But uh, Joe tweeted out earlier today that he had been hearing from people that LaMarcus Aldridge was considering or would have considered coming to the Bulls next season had he hit free agency before these health issues arose, and that's something that I had heard from uh, my old partner at the NBC Sports Chicago, Will Purdue, who knew Lamarcus a little bit. And Lamarcus always said he wanted to play in Chicago. So you know that that door has obviously been closed. But that'll be a name that will always be uh, looked at by Bulls fans as uh, one of those what ifs in sports.
0: All right, time now for our walk down uh, memory lane segment. Uh, I don't know who goes first this week. I'll defer to you, Mark. You you lead off.
1: Yeah, I had a couple I was uh, thinking about, but since since the Bulls have been such a dumpster fire in these last few games, I'm going to go with something a little bit more recent. Um, your your former colleague over at the score, Cody Westerland, tweeted something yesterday that caught my attention. He tweeted that for a franchise that had so much success with a dynamic point guard like Derrick Rose – I can't believe they haven't been more aggressive in trying to find a you know, competent replacement as a starting point guard, and I and I replied to him saying, "Well, they took two big swings at it. I mean, they traded for Chris Dunn in the uh, in the Jimmy Butler trade, and then they drafted Kobe White." Uh, Cody replied, "Well, they, you know, most people didn't look at uh, Kobe White as a point guard. Well, Garn Pax did. They were thinking that he was going to be the point guard for the next decade, but beyond all that." My reflection is the chance I had to sit down with the three players involved in the Jimmy Butler trade. That, of course, being Chris Dunn, Lowry, Markin, and Zach Levine. At the time, I was doing pre and post for NBC Sports Chicago. And as you know, uh, Shu, it's very difficult to get sit-down interviews arranged. But after trying most of the season, late in their first year, I got the three of them to sit down. And we talked for like a half hour, about a variety of things. And I was so impressed especially by Chris Dunn in terms of, you know, how much he wanted to win, how much he wanted to be a part of the next great team in Chicago. You know, he wasn't that outspoken in the media. He was usually pretty quiet, but you could see there was, there was a fire that burned there and and he was a tough guy. You know, some of the injuries he had were unfortunate. You know, when he fell off the rim, when he was playing good basketball, at old state and almost knocked the, you know, all the teeth out of his mouth. I I thought Chris Dunn was going to be a really good player with the Bulls. And, in that same interview, Zach Levine really impressed me with his sincerity about you know, the house that Jordan built and how he was so excited about being in Chicago and wanted to do some great things. And Lowry was Lowry. He was pretty quiet. At that point, he was taking uh, driver's lessons to try to get his license. And he was practicing driving around the parking lot at the United Center. But I-, I remember asking the guys, what would it mean to you to to be a part of the next championship team in Chicago? And they gave mostly politically correct answers. But I walked away thinking that I really hope that this group can stay together and that Chris Dunn can emerge as a leader on this team. And it didn't happen. You know, obviously we, we talked about it earlier. I'm not sure Lowry's going to be here next year. Chris Dunn is already with the Atlanta Hawks, and again, injured. He hasn't played a single minute for the Atlanta Hawks. He's had ankle no. problems, and he tried to come back, and think another injury popped up. So, you know, Chris Dunn was a guy the Bulls kind of lusted after for a couple of years. They almost traded Jimmy Butler the year before they did to Boston to get the draft pick that Minnesota used uh, or to go ahead of Minnesota and draft Chris Dunn, and it just didn't work out. So the Bulls have taken two swings, and as I mentioned on Twitter last night, now AK's in the on-deck circle, and he's got his eyes on Lonzo Ball as the, as the next guy to try to take over that point guard position.
0: I always liked Chris Dunn. Uh, He was one of my go-to guys, as I like to refer to them, after games, win or lose. Um, And, you know, listen, he wasn't super effervescent, but he was always available, and he would always answer the question, no matter how inane some of those questions might be. So I, I wish him well. Unfortunately, he's had so many injuries. And I do remember when he was hanging on the rim, coming down face first to the court, I thought, oh, my God, he doesn't have a face left because he hit it smack dab right on the middle of his face. That was scary.
1: Yeah. You could hear that thud on the broadcast. And of course you were at courtside at the time. I'm sure you could hear it exactly where you were.
0: Yeah. All right. My, my walk down memory lane segment and, and help me out, Mark, because maybe you'll remember when it was, cause I don't, but the bulls were having problems shooting free throws one year and they brought in um, the free throw doctor, uh, do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, it's, it's the older gentleman who could uh, knock him down, you know, make almost all of his free throws Yeah, I, I don't I remember look, what year it was, but yeah, I do remember I, I the incident. Look,
0: yeah. I had to look this up because I couldn't remember the gentleman's name, and I still can't find what year it was. Dr. Tom Amberry is his right. name. He was called uh, he was called a couple of things. He was called the free throw doctor. He was also called, I don't know why, the big kahuna. And this is a man who set the world record at the age of 71. He yeah. died at the age of 94, a little while back. But at the age of 71, he made consecutively 2,750 free throws <laughs> in a row. It's unfathomable.
1: I, doesn't seem doesn't seem possible.
0: <laughs> and and you know so the the curtain was raised we were allowed on the court I don't know if it was sky it couldn't have been skyles skyles wouldn't have gone for that but it might have be, been cartwright or it might have been tim floyd I don't know who the coach was but all of a sudden we're all talking to the free throw doctor and he had sort of a weird free throw I don't know how it went in it was almost like one of those papa shot kind of shots that he had but he it went in he wrote a book about this also um and and he you know He had a 99.5% free throw percentage from the free throw line. It blows me away. That's far and away better than the best ever in the NBA. Uh, And anyway, we talked to him. I mean, he wasn't really that good of a talker. He wrote a book also. And by the way, he's Dr. Tom Amberry. He was a podiatrist. (laughs) I didn't know that until I looked this up yesterday. Anyway, it was just so comical. And, you know, I think about this myself because whenever I play basketball and a lot of times I'll just go shoot on my own because it's, it's, it's my Zen time, if you will, just to go out and, and shoot baskets. And I never uh, quit until I make 10 free throws in a row. And a lot of times I'll hit nine and I'll miss that 10th one. And then I'll Joke, do this.
2: Right?
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll just keep going and I'll be there another hour <laughs> until I hit 10 in a row. Cause I can't leave until I make 10 straight free throws. And I'm thinking this guy made 2,750 in a row. I mean, he must have been in the gym. How many hours do you think that took?
1: I can't even imagine. I would think it would it would take uh, almost a full day to shoot that many free throws. So that's crazy. I, I don't
0: know. I don't even know who was counting them. That blows me away. <laughs> and you know, if he's seventy-one, you know, knowing you know, they, they probably used an abacus to try and figure out how many you know he had in a row. I mean, that, the whole story. That you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. And I just started laughing again because I remember calling in my reports from practice that day. And, I, you know, the Bulls stunk that year, whatever year that was. And so we made a big deal out of the, the free throw doctor, the 71-year-old guy, because we had nothing else to talk about. That's how comical it was.
1: You know, I, I can't believe that that's accurate because, you know, your concentration is not going to last that long. You're just going to accidentally miss one, not because, you, you know, you choked or anything, but you just just get bored. You know, remember the video earlier this year with Steph Curry? What was it, like 105 threes he supposedly made in a row from the corner? um that's remarkable too but and that's a long shot uh, I i would say i would say bs on that that 2000 plus that that doesn't seem possible
0: yeah i'm a little skeptical also especially for a 71 year old man i mean he might fall asleep halfway through that amount of time. <laughs> anyway it was just a good memory um once again this has been a good memory by the time we talk again next week the bulls probably will be out of the playoffs you Well, know? but it it's 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 been an interesting season no matter what happens. There's been so much, you know, I want to say ups ups and downs, but mostly downs, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, and we're going to see guys come back into the rotation. We'll probably see Ryan Archie Diacono as the backup point guard because Colby White's going to slide over to the shooting guard. We'll see more of uh, C. Red Fred's favorite guy, Denzel Valentine. Um, You know, it'll be interesting because the team really has hit rock bottom with that loss to Orlando. We'll see what kind of professional pride they conjure up with Zach Levine being out for the next couple of weeks. As weird as this season has been, who knows? They might win six in their next eight, and we're talking about the playoffs again.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned they play Cleveland twice. Last time Cleveland was at the United Center, Cleveland won the
1: game. So right. there's
0: no, there's absolutely no gimmies on the Bulls' schedule. No,
1: no this- I will not use that phrase anymore. There are, no, there are no gimme wins from the Bulls left on the schedule
0: if we play golf can you give me some things if I move in five or six feet of the cup I'm very generous in that regard god bless That's not you. a problem <laughs> all right mark until next time you have yourself a good week all right David sounds good take care everybody